When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found. This is round number 33. We are looking at the year 2000, turn of the millennium. It's a podcast here with some of my very best friends from Needham High School, including Bill Federko, Derek Brain, Rich Eyre, and myself. Our buddy Chris Nashwadi is not joining us tonight. We'll be looking at some of our favorite overlooked songs from the year 2000. Welcome to the show. Big show. This is the the round of the millennium. It's uh, unfortunate that Mr. Chris Nashawadi is not able to join us tonight, but uh, we'll we'll bring him back. Still on week. strike. I don't know. He's still on strike. I don't know if he's coming out. back. We had Robbie Feldman in last week to to fill in. So uh, he moves to yeah. the West Coast, and all of a sudden he's uh, you know. Did he too really busy to join us, or is it is he too laid back to join us? Which is it? I'm not sure. I don't know. He may be surfing right now. <laughs> and even though Chris is uh, not here with us tonight. We did not let Rob come back. For those who heard the 1999 show, there was a little bit of a DMB. I won't even say the full name of this artist. Dave Man. That was an incident. He's in the penalty really? box for a little bit, let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was well, an episode really made, of punked when it, he played it made that song. A very, it made for a very interesting and uh, exciting episode. So I don't know if I we think. have new listeners, Dave <laughs> fans, or we've lost everyone. Can we just point. not speak about it, please? I'm still, still recovering. Probably for the best. Well, let's let's talk about the year. I think, Billy, you are doing the history for the 2000. Yeah, since Nash had his uh, cancellation, I got the uh, duties as the anchorman, so to speak. So I have to correct you a little bit. This really isn't the dawn of a new century. And I only learned this because I think it was an episode of Jeopardy the other night. But really, the century began on January 1st, uh, 2001, and then it goes mm. to 2100. Technically, not actually the dawn of the new century, but we all refer who's to it counting, that way. So really? let's go for it. Who's counting? <laughs> Rich in his numbers. So what was happening in 2000? Unlike Derek with his uh, wonderful rhymes and Rich with his great chronology, I, I can't try to uh, mimic or imitate either of those. So I'm not going to follow suit there, but I will try to keep it positive. Derek actually did the last time. Rich always says he's keeping it positive and never does <laughs> and just recites a list of horribles for oh, the year and then goes, but just keeping it light. I thought it was pretty positive last time. Monica Lewinsky, that's that's fun stuff. (laughs) Right. I think that was about as light as it got. So no, I will just do a random and short walk down memory lane. This has no rhyme rhyme or reason to it. Let's start, of course, with Y2K. The world did not end. As predicted, we survived. We uh, stayed calm and carried on. Derek was in his panic room with all his provisions. He was ready for the world to collapse. But uh, woohoo, we're here. 
So we survived Y2K. Uh, speaking of the, the internet and computers, Napster. Peer-to-peer -peer sharing was still huge at this point. And now that the statute of limitations is run, I can admit I was on every waking hour downloading from Napster. But I was still buying music, so I was still supporting the artist. In doing a little bit of research, I saw that Radiohead's Kid A was re not released, but was somehow stolen and shared for about a month before the actual release date. They estimated there were a million downloads of Radiohead's Kid A. And then when it did finally uh, get released, it landed at number one on the Billboard chart. Kind of amazing. Uh, but Napster didn't last too long. Bands like Metallica weren't having any of it. Metallica filed a lawsuit against Napster, and uh, slowly the peer-to-peer uh, -peer sharing era was on its way out. Looking at the uh, music charts, although there was great stuff like uh, Radiohead's Kid A, it was really a year of stuff like Destiny's Child, Christina, or as Rich calls her, Extina Aguilera, Nash's favorite, the 19-year-old Britney Spears, was big in 2000. She performed uh, uh, what I think would now be considered a team performance, but at the time was kind of risque. She was at the MTV Music Awards. Uh, she came out in a suit, full suit singing Satisfaction, but then had a slow strip tease into a sequin jumper uh, with the sequins and, you know, strategically placed spots on her body and sang, oops, I did it again. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, remember yes. that video. In the following year, she performed with the big snake. So, I was uh, going to ask if that had something to do with the snake, where the snake came in. Okay. That's the following year, Derek. I, but Fair you remember. Enough. You remember. Do not. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of things Derek likes, American Beauty was the big winner of the Oscars in uh, the year 2000. And your favorite actor, Kevin Spacey, won the best uh, actor. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Great guy. I don't know if you've watched it lately. lately. I'm, I'm not sure it holds up. but. Uh, I think it does not. I think it's super, <laughs> super yick. Yeah. Super, speaking super of, problematic. Yeah. Well, Steve, speaking of uh, movies and bad decisions, Blockbuster turned down an offer to buy Netflix in the year 2000. Or Oops. $30 million. $30 million. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wonder if they regret that one. On television, this was the debut of a lot of the big reality TV shows. So we had Survivor, Big Brother. And then after that, it was just an avalanche of reality TV. I said I'd try to avoid sad news, but there, I think there's one person worth noting. Uh, Charles Schultz, the Phoenix mm. comic creator, died in the year 2000, mm. and then they immediately stopped uh, releasing his strip. I've always thought Charlie Brown's kind of amazing, uh, sort of a lovable, long-suffering loser. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Charming Charlie cartoon. What's that? This guy took Charles Schultz's comics and then put Smith's lyrics to them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to check out his site. It's called This Charming Charlie. It has, it'll have Charlie Brown like sitting on a bench, looking all mopey, and then above him will be a Smith lyric like, "To pretend to be happy could only be idiocy." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a phenomenal site. So I highly recommend everybody yeah. check out uh, This Charming Charlie. I still had all my old, you know, Charlie Brown collections. You know, these thick, mm. thick books. There's a whole series of them. I was really happy when my son got really into those. And just looking through them with him again, just like it is, it's they're so poignant. poignant and you know, sort of dark and, and sad, and you know, just have this air of melancholy about them. That you know, I always sort of thought back on them that they were maybe uh, I was weren't the drawing the drawings <laughs> got kind of shaky at the end, like the last remember the, the drawings were a little bit shaky. Remember that? Well, he did yeah. it for yeah. 50 years, yeah, long yeah. time, but. I was happy that it, that it was still going. 
Yeah, good. And that he's yeah. still really, you know. Well, it's, it sounds like yeah. uh, your boy's an old soul. Nico likes Actually, a lot I, of uh, old things. I keep seeing this T-shirt that I really want to buy, which is uh, it's a picture of uh, Lucy holding the football. Yes. And uh, Charlie Brown is standing there and he says, uh, can I kick it? She says, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, quoting. Uh, you That's know, great. Tribe Called Quest. I was like, I got to right. get that shirt. On that note, we should we should kick it off. What's one more fun fact? In May of 2000, Bill Clinton announced that the U.S. military was no longer going to restrict accurate GPS access. I didn't know this was a thing, but, you know, the U.S. military had invented GPS and then they intentionally downgraded it so it wasn't accurate because they were afraid that their enemies would use it against them. But once in 2000, they, you know, ended this purposeful denigration of it, it became accurate. And now, of course, it's everywhere for better or worse, you know. We can't get anywhere without our phones, and you can also find out where my kids are at any day. So, good and bad. It was the year of the dangling, but, uh, hanging Chad as well. I think that was. The, I, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't want to bring that stuff I, up. I just had to throw that yeah. in there again. There you go again. Every silver lining, <laughs> you know, as a. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, why don't you open up the show tonight? Thanks. What would Love be to. your your pick for the year two thousand? So, since Nash is in the hero. Pick something from the the stoner metal genre from the the desert in Southern California. I think nice. he'd appreciate it. He's a fan of Caius, I think. He's played them yes. in the past. Um, so I picked something from Queens of the Stone Age. So Queens of the Stone Age, this 2000 was a year one of my favorite bands, officially called it quits. Screaming Trees disbanded, gave it up. Mark Lanigan went and did some side projects, including playing with Queens of the Stone Age. And this... Ended up on the Rated R album from this year, from 2000. It's a song that he co-wrote with Josh Homme, or Om. Homme, I believe is correct. Is that true? I've never heard it. It's a beautiful song. I'm happy to play it uh, for Mark. Take it away, Tom. The year is 2000. It's Deep Cuts Lost and Found.
keep forgetting how incredibly catchy. Yeah, I keep track of all the permu- um, permutations of Queens of the Stone Age. I mean, Desert Sessions, Eagles. Actually, funkier than I thought. Uh, it would was be. it Eagles of um, Death Metal? Death Metal. Eagles, Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah. <clears throat> right out of the gate, you know, they make really, really catchy rock and roll. Yeah, I, they're not a band I know a lot about or you know have listened to tons, but every once in a while I come across stuff that that I really like, like. I don't know, there's that series from a basement. It's some guy who does like, you know, plays bands, uh, you know, in, in certain spaces. And they they have a performance of some song called like Mexicola or something. I just came across my algorithm at some point and it was so good. I mean, I was so impressed uh, by their, you know, the pocket they got in. It was it was good. You know, those guys can play. I think Josh Homme just shows up in interesting projects all the time like he did collaborations with uncle and you know you mentioned desert sessions earlier and you know he's just one of those guys who i think is just perpetually looking for something new to do and is just his, his restless energy is exciting you know although one of my favorite things he did was uh anthony bourdain show Joe, uh, yeah. anthony bourdain did a, a show where they how did he do like a holiday christmas out in the desert josh ami wearing like some ugly christmas sweater or something hanging out with uh with bourdain and and, and enjoying it yeah, those, those, I think those dudes were friends. Right. Yeah. Well, Derek, you get to take the next spot. Uh, where do you want to take us? 2000 is the year, the year 2000. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to keep it a little little roughshod, a little ramshackle band out of El Paso, Texas uh, at the drive-in. I don't know. I remember when this particular record, uh, Relationship of Command, came out. I think it was the third record. And um, just being pretty excited about it. I mean, they just have this like just this sort of like MC5 kind of abandoned and chaotic energy that uh, I really responded to at the time. And they're just so wild. You know, around this time, they had uh, this performance on Jules Holland's show of, uh, I think, the big song from this record, which was one Arm Scissor. And it was just like, they just, they were all going in totally different directions. It was just out of tune and chaotic and just kind of awful and amazing all at the same time. They're just throwing chairs around and it was insane. And it ended and everybody went nuts, but also was a little stunned too. And the camera pans over and it's Robbie Williams leaning against the piano. who's supposed to play like some <laughs> pop song. And he's got these super wide eyes, just like, <laughs> what the? He's like, you know, you, I'm supposed to follow that? Uh, it's just like this perfect, perfect moment. That is what we're about to have. (laughs) Yeah, the song is Relationship of Command, and it's at the drive-in.
There's such an interesting mix of like 90s era sort of uh, Faith No More kind of aggro with a little bit of hardcore, but then also they have this almost like a funky jam bandy kind of quality to them as well. Could be their publicist, Tom. Yeah, I mean, they are. They are so all over the place. Like, it's almost like at certain times, everybody's playing a different song or in a different style. And, it, you know, it's right. just like chaos that some that, you know, coalesces into something, you know, more than the sum of its parts. That's kind of great. But they also just they kind of imploded as a band and burned, burned hard and fast and went away. I mean, they started playing again together recently, I believe, but they didn't last too long. And this is the later trend of the Mars Volta, right? Mars Volta and um, Sparta, the Sparta, two bands right. that they split into. You mentioned Sparta in the 99 show. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, And I, I think also, if I think about, you know, the kind of folks who go to those shows, it, it attracts a very interesting group of listeners, you know? I think, but I, I, know, I, I always just imagine to a certain degree, bands like this are kind of, they're, they're not quite <laughs> math rock, you know? They're not quite sort of, you know, hard rock or, or heavy metal, they're kind of balancing yeah. little bits of all those genres. And I imagine it just attracts certain types of crowds that are open to people between the cracks, as it were. Yeah. Well, Billy Federico, you are up next. What would you like to do for Maybe? the year 2000, your first pick? The year 2000. Wasn't that a bit on Conan O'Brien? In the year 2000. And then they'd say, like, in the year 2000, people will talk on the phone. You know, <laughs> it was always, like, anticlimactic. But, but that used to be a thing in the 90s. We were all like, in the year 2000, something exciting will happen. We'll be, you know, flying on, you know, rockets and whatnot. But obviously, yeah, life's largely the same. Although we are able to communicate across the country like this. So I guess some improvements. Yes, but I digress. <laughs> I want my flying. Where's my flying car? Yeah, come on. Put that on your Charlie Brown <laughs> comic. <Yeah. laughs> that sounds like something Charlie would say. All right, so where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Vancouver with uh, this century's uh, masters of power pop, the new pornographers. Don't Google that, by the way. Be careful. Or be careful how you Google that. <laughs> put it in quotes. Or put band after it or something. But uh, these guys are great. Sort of a uh, Canadian indie rock supergroup, famous for AC Newman, Nico Case, Dan Behar from Destroyer. Uh, this is their debut record. It is called Mass Romantic. Uh, Derek and I actually talked a little bit before this. He's like, are you going to play something with them? Because if you don't, I want to. This was just a, such a big record in the year 2000. And so I think one of us definitely has to play it. And so it'll be me. Derek, you'll have to find something else. So I'm going with the song Mystery Hours, which is sort of a, a glam rock tune, a really souped up uh, T-Rex sort of song. A lot of energy, a lot of attitude. Hope you enjoy it. Deep cuts. Baby, crawl into the way. 
Super fun. Was this record very popular when it first came out? Because I kind of felt like I heard it everywhere, but I wasn't sure if it was just the circles. No, it I was, was. Cer- cer- certainly in indie circles. I think. Oh yeah. Some magazine called it like the best indie rock record of the century or decade or some, you know, some some hyperbole. But, some extravagant. Uh, yeah. So I think a lot of people know it. The song with Nico Case singing uh, "Letter from an Occupant" may have been the most popular. Wow. But also the the first track, "Mass Romantic." That's yeah. what I was going to play. I mean, that's so yep. undeniably great. But yeah, what, I mean, what is this? Was sort of the beginning of this sort of Canadian wave, yeah, of stuff. You know, broken social scene and mm-hmm. Arcade Fire, and you know, just a bunch of stuff. And also, sort of the idea that maybe a lot of these bands were possible in a way that they weren't here because of government support. Yeah, ah. Canada has this sort of uh, you know musician and artist support systems through the government that the states doesn't have and that kind of allowed some of these bands to be what they were that that maybe you know wouldn't have happened otherwise it bums me out <laughs> i think that's a great story Interesting. you know yeah. the, the the idea of you know this incredible movement because it's true canada really came on the map in this time period the way england had for a long time or, or obviously the united states had and a lot of that may very well have been the fact that they had such generous funding for artists so people could actually live, you know, in their 20s in reasonable, you know, setting and not have to have full-time terrible jobs that were just soul draining and slowly took away their their joy, you know. It's, it's, like an, it's interesting an exciting doctoral window. thesis. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Somebody out there. I don't know. So yeah, whoever's listening, it. all our PhD students. Yeah, that's right. They've been touring. Are the big players all there or I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I think AC and Dembe Nico were all there. Yeah. Yeah. What's that guy? Uh, the least... bassist, John Callis. Collins, John Collins. Fido, you're a Dan Behar super, super fan. I love Dan Behar. You're That's like true. A, a destroyer, massive yes. fan. Yeah, that is true. You've called me a Rousian for my just Rouse. <laughs> Proclivity. Yeah. You're a Biharian as well. Biharian. <laughs> you're in the I B-house. fall hard. I fall hard. It's true. Well, I've got the next spot. One of the records that was huge for me was the band Doves. And their debut album, Lost Souls, was for me just a, a record I listened to constantly. This, the same way I was listening to Radiohead records previously. Like, I listened to them as albums. I loved every song independently. I found the journey of how those albums were sequenced really exciting. I mean, if I think about this album, like it opens with this track called Fire Suite, which I decided not to open up with, which is an instrumental. And it's a, a weird, groovy kind of an instrumental. The band themselves are kind of interesting. They kind of came out of an electronic outfit called Sub Sub that were based out of uh, Manchester, England. And they had their recording studio burned to the ground and they used the insurance money to sort of buy new equipment and completely change the way they sounded. It's uh, Jimmy Goodwin and the twin brothers Jez and Andy Williams. And I think what they created is really, really special. Uh, So from Manchester, the band is Doves and this is a song called Sea Songs. Because. 
got such wonderful forward momentum and it brings in this harmonica in this little section here. Glad you played it. Yeah. What I was a, hoping what a, you would. Yeah. Tom was evangelical about these guys in 2000. I'm not enough because this is, I yeah, don't, he was talking this, to me I completely it. missed this, but this is like right up my alley. I'm, I'm excited about having something wow. like this to go Lost check Souls out. is terrific. I think the whole record holds up yeah, beautifully, yeah. you know, from beginning to end. And it's really ambitious. It reminds you, and again, we're talking a little bit about like social funding, but like this is a band that funded essentially this record through insurance money after their, their studio burned down, which is kind of fascinating. Um, Rob Gretton. It's you with all this background information about how everyone's funded. I just, I think this is, well, you know, this is, this is, this is, I like the idea of great art coming out of, you know, public support in different formats. So I think that's a, I'm a big fan. Okay. Even if it's an insurance proceed. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they burned down their own building. But that's then that might be, hey, that's. <laughs> you didn't say that. You didn't oh, say no, that. No, no, no. Not saying that. That's that's usually someone else's job to, to fame someone. That's right. right. They recorded the record in uh, New Order Studio. Rob Gretton was their manager mm-hmm. and their label head. He okay. was also yeah. involved with New Order for quite a bit. And they had no windows in the space because uh, there were so many break-ins in Manchester at the oh, time gosh, that basically yeah. having a completely closed off studio that you couldn't break into made it a secure place and that was actually really helpful for them because they really were they had no distractions who were stuck inside that room <laughs> like making the whole thing work yeah really fascinating so yeah. Derek must have been in a bunker too he didn't know about the doves or just I doves. Sorry. No, the... I missed it I missed it well Tom was talking about both doves and Coldplay before Coldplay were anything this he was he was a very you know maybe you know hasn't aged no, hey. as well as other stuff but he was clued into them before the rest of the world was yeah for yeah. In, a, in a pretty big way and that yeah that did come out this year and that was it was that was kind of an exciting record parachutes it was. when it first parachutes came out. was a great record it was a really great record I mean, there's sort of another one of these bands that... It's okay uh, to say it. You love Coldplay, Derek. Say it. I loved them for a time. Me too. Uh, but now I'm kind of annoyed by them. I've had a conscious uncoupling with Coldplay. Yeah, but, uh, that's fair. There you go. Yeah, I think Yellow, in a way, almost set a certain direction for the band that kind of screwed them. Because in a sense, I think the best work they ever did was the Parachutes album. They did good work thereafter, but... It was sort of like moving more and more towards popular music and and at least creatively, obviously hugely successful, you know, points for that. But creatively, I feel like it it made a choice for them. And when you have a hit single like Yellow, where Radiohead did the opposite, right? They had Creep Mm -hmm. and they could have easily made much more of like a, you know, Creep Mm -hmm. rock and roll record and they didn't. They went the opposite direction. I think that established their trajectory. I blame Gwyneth. I think, Tommy, if you look at the trajectory, they they stayed, you know, after Parachute's yeah. Russia blood to the head. Yeah, good record. Absolutely good record. Um, uh, you can blame Gwyneth for a lot of things, but not for not for that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is it a coincidence when they yeah, met? Not, he went to shift. For that. I don't know. Just <laughs> saying. I'm putting it out there. I'm just asking questions. Says just I, yeah. as much about him as it does about her. Let's just yes. say that. Says the attorney in the group. Um, Rich, would you like to, you're at the top of the deck. Would you want to uh, move us forward? <clears throat> sure. Speaking of being a bunker, I felt like Probably this these years, 98, 99, 2000, I was a bit in a musical bunker. There's a lot going on in my life. I did get married in 99. I started working on having kids in 2000 and opened a business, had an art gallery in Seattle and at this time, so I was pretty busy. That was like your first life. You've had multiple careers by now. My pick is I'm going with a 
good old standby, the favorite of our the Deep Cuts crew, aka Matt Johnson. I love it. I forgot that they did an album in two thousand. Naked Self. Yeah, it's called Naked Self. No space. <laughs> All of the songs. There's no spaces. Whatever. It's just Matt Johnson's weird way of presenting his mm-hmm. his art form. But you should Google this one too. Just type in Naked Self. I, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this album in its entirety. I it just bit of a drag a lot of the songs just kind of are over indulgent i think but there are a couple tracks on the song that are very very good including this one that i've picked and i'd like to share it with you guys see if you remember it the whisperers by the the from yeah. 2000s naked self i think it's their last studio album together as well yeah deep cuts This, is, this this track holds up for me pretty well, but I remember this record being very disappointing yep. and it's feeling like I was like, okay, I think I've moved yep. on from the, the, you know, one of the very favorite bands from our high school. 
I didn't even recognize the cover of this record. I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen this before. I had forgotten about that. Well, it just has the what, light bulb. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I saw the pick. I didn't recognize the cover. Well, it, he doesn't have any of his other typical collaborators that he'd had. Although Lloyd Cole does play or sing He's back. definitely working the Tom York falsetto sort of thing as well in that song. I wonder yeah. if that was conscious or not. Yeah. But. It's a very small palette. He doesn't draw f from his eclectic of sources or sounds. Right. He just said Johnny Marr for the last previous two or three albums, right? And right. The absence of Johnny, it doesn't have the same. I think the guitarist is. Obviously. Oh, uh, Iggy played with Iggy Pop. Got a long name, and I'm blanking oh, really? on his name. Okay. But yeah, no, I I agree with you, Rich. This this is definitely the highlight. I, I think this song's awesome. There's a I'm song so called Soul Catcher on this uh, album that's good as well. I yeah. think. it's worth people listening. But you, yeah, I mean, you, you're not going to say this, this is not is, my further know, listening choice. Brief, but no, no. It's an interesting thing though when you think about you know artists like Matt Johnson and that like we were all obviously in love with uh, soul mining and then before that Burning Blue Soul was like this wonderful mm -hmm. kind of almost like demos experience you know which this reminds me of a little bit it's almost like this sort of half baked ideas in the song feel a little bit like he was trying to strip it down to essentials and if anything Matt Johnson gets pretty bloated in his production and sometimes it works against him I, I don't know if he always knows how far to push things and to keep it you know, cohesive. To me, like it feels like he's making a step backward towards a more stripped down, more evocative note. And maybe the songwriting isn't quite there, at least for this, this album, it didn't feel, but this is a really nice pick. This one reminds me of what I love about Matt Johnson and also the familiarity of his voice. Cause I feel like that's been such a, a source of warmth and comfort, you know, in many ways in my sort of emotional journey. So here's the Matt Johnson. And here's to your emotional journey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Derek, how would you like to move your emotional journey? I'm going to choose a song from a band that has a, a name that's either really great or really terrible. I'm not sure. From Cincinnati, Ohio, it's the Ass Ponies. That's great. Not terrible. I think my friend Karen Wren introduced me to this band. It's led by Chuck Cleaver, who's now part of the band Wussy, singer, guitarist, songwriter. I don't know. I just, a lot of this record is really great. It's such a catchy record. And just the band has a really kind of a distinctive voice about them. But it also made me realize that I, I'm kind of into a subgenre of music, which is sad songs about astronauts. <laughs> How many can you recite? I, in particular, there's, there's a song by the band, well, obviously you're Bowie's, Bowie's. <laughs> um, but there's a song by Wolf Parade <laughs> called Yulia that is about, you know, Oh, that's what Yuli is about? Yuli is about, you know, her husband's an astronaut, essentially sent into space to die. Okay. I got to listen to that song then. Just an incredibly, beautifully poignant song that Commander Thinks Aloud by the Long Winters. is a really amazing um, song exploder story about that particular song. I like this weird uh, subgenre of astronaut songs. The band like is after the dog that was sent in space. Exactly. It's a thing. Uh, it's a and thing. I'm into it. Say, say nothing of the fact that the song and the band have ass in them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Very so like, Derek. It's, uh, you know, another strange, the title of the record is Some Stupid with a Flare Gun, which I guess, I can't remember. It's something to do with Smoke on the Water, the song Smoke on the Water. It was a lyric or something. Um, it's a song called Astronaut, and it's great. Ass Ponies. Let's hear it. Deep cuts. Stellar overdrive, playing on a phonograph. 
walking in an open field She comes across an ankle bone Takes it home and drills a been like to be driving around town and seeing like ass ponies on the marquee of like a (laughs) concert hall and being like yeah mom that's a show i'm gonna be going to next week i can't wait i know (laughs) especially in like you know ohio where they're from you know cincinnati cincinnati the the wigs too afghan wigs two weird names and bands that uh covered each other actually that chorus really stuck in my head you know (laughs) Lonely sisters praying for well, he, He's got such a unique voice. His sound is just stands out. The clear, yeah, yeah clear not enough. So great. Yeah, Billy Federico, you got the next pickup. All right, it is me, and I will bring us to Scotland, Idlewild. <laughs> Don't care. Uh, <laughs> and I love the name of their lead singer, Roddy Wumble. We don't have any Roddies here in the United States. I think that's... Not enough. We got Roddy Bottom, right? It was Roddy Bottom. Yes. We talked. When was that? What show? Uh, he's a Faith No More, Faith no More guy yes, and was right. in. Um... Yeah. Yeah. These guys are from Edinburgh. They have uh, an album that I think I discovered through Spin. You know, Spin was a record that used to have some influence and I used to always check it out. I think they did like a recap of year 2000 and they said, this is the best album you didn't hear this year. The record is 100 Broken Windows. Roddy has a voice that almost has a timbre, a little bit like Dave Hurley of O Positive, uh, a local favorite of ours. Top line melodies, crunching guitars. It's got the loud and soft dynamics that were very popular in this era. But I think this is just a master of this of this genre in this era. I could have chosen any of the 10 songs on this record, but I'm going with the one, Little Discourage. The year is 2000. Deep cuts. <laughs> Trust history. 
sound much more American, almost like they're Scottish people singing with American accents. Does that read? Oh, I never thought of that. You ever hear him talk, he sounds very Scottish. Yeah. But is he, I don't know, is it the fact that I mentioned Dave early that made you think of an American singer? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's always interesting to me when you hear, because certain bands, like American bands, will like put on fake British accents and you kind of hear it in their, their sound and it's yeah. a little pretentious and annoying, but it kind of is what I it is. And sometimes you hear British bands that will do the same thing where they'll sound very American and you just think like they're overpronouncing words and, and it has a sort of an interesting quality to it. But I hear that Dave Hurley, he definitely, he has that sort yeah. of light, high voice and, and kind of an earnestness, which is really yep. engaging. It's a that was great, it. though. I really yeah. liked that. I I had not heard that before. If you like that song, you will love this album okay. from, to, from top to bottom. Yeah. I was just reading a little bit about them and came across like a really great quote about them, which must have been about how they sounded earlier than this. Yeah, but before said, this, they were rougher. Yeah. They said they uh, they sounded like the sound of a flight of stairs falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's well written. That's well fantastic. Written. All right. Well, I, I'm. I think I'm up next. So uh, oh I think I'm closing up the show. Right? Uh, yeah. it's, it's only only four of us tonight. Yeah, so you Mr. are. Chris Unless Nash, Nash makes a surprise appearance, but I don't think so. Still holding up happen. for that big contract. Well, I'm going to close out in Scotland as well. Actually, nice. What are the chances? One of my don't care. Yeah, one of my favorite <laughs> artists is uh, 
Steve Mason uh, of the band, the Beta Band. And yeah. I just always enjoy following what he does. Uh, he's had a number of solo records over the years. But my favorite of his solo projects was one called King Biscuit Time that came out in the year 2000. The album is called No Style. It's a weird mix of genres. And if you like the Beta Band, maybe you'll like this. Deep Cuts. When I walk through the earth, I get stuck in the middle. I can't see your love. I don't know your love. When I walk through the earth, I get stuck in the middle. I can't see your love. I don't know your love. So this summer's dry. It drives me crazy. I, I don't know. I feel like I just heard this, or you. It was on another playlist of yours. Was this a challenge? No, 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 no. I'm just saying this song because I remember hearing it. Some. I feel like I heard it in a different context and being like, "Oh, I wish you'd played that one because I absolutely love it." Like you put this on a commercial, I'll buy whatever it is. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it's just so. It's so goddamn. You hear that, catchy. Madison Avenue? 
It is. It's so catchy. It's a. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, so simple. Sort it's of so... sunshiny and. So he was making this at the same time he's making Beta Band. No, this is 2000. This is just after Beta Band, I, I believe. I'd have to double check the years. Maybe they overlap. I'm trying to remember when. What was it? Squares. Squares. Yeah, I put squares in in six feet under. That was in 2001, I think. So I think it's after this. That's what introduced me to the band when you put it in Six Feet Under. Yeah. But I remember like the great scene in, in High Fidelity where you've got John Cusack kind of bragging he's going to now sell three <laughs> copies of the Beta Band's three EPs. And there's something so beautiful about the brattiness of just mm -hmm. somebody who knows, okay, this is catchy <laughs> as hell and it's going to sell really quickly just by playing in the record store. And to me, like this is one of those songs, I've played this song so many times. I've made skiing montage videos to this song. I have such a relationship to it, but it doesn't get tired. I feel like it holds up so well. So yeah, here's the Steve Mason and uh, his amazing, weird little project, King Biscuit Time, which is uh, named after, I guess, the longest running American radio broadcast. Which oh, the I King, Bist King Biscuit Flower, Flower Hour. Hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has to. That's I don't know what that name. is, but I know that word. I know that series of, <laughs> of words. It's kind of lovely. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, further listening. So, Rich, why don't you open up? Uh, what would you suggest for further listening? Uh, I'm going to suggest Modest Mouse came out with that album in 2000 called The Moon and, and Antarctica. Great album. I uh, highly recommend it. I'm recommending it because, yeah, I could have picked any song on that album probably to play tonight, but uh, they did lose their longtime drummer Jeremiah Green this over the holidays. Um, I think he passed away on December 31st, actually. So I thought it was a good opportunity just to recommend that album. Very good nice. choice, too. Derek, what is your suggestion? Year 2000, further listening, what's an album worth listening to? I really like this record, the band 16 Horsepower called Secret South. It's just really kind of fire and brimstone and menace and beauty. It's just this Super intense record. Listen to it again, and, and it really held up for me, and I, I really like it. Uh, 16 Horsepower's uh, Secret South. Very nice. Billy, what is All your right. suggestion? I will go with an album that, uh, at the time, actually, I think was rather popular. The Hour of the Bewilder Beast, or just Our Bewilder Beast, I think, by Badly Drawn Boy. Did win the Mercury Prize, so it wasn't like it was overlooked at the time. I think there was a lot of critical acclaim. But uh, I don't know if in doing this show, you know, I went back and started listening to records from 2000. I haven't listened to this one in a long time. And uh, it really, it really, you know, pulled me back in. And uh, it's just a great, great record by Damon Gow, who goes by Badly Drawn Boy. This is certainly worth checking out. And then he did the About a Boy soundtrack, which is also great. So uh, for folks who have forgotten about it, go check out Badly Drawn Boy's first record. Very nice. And I'm going to throw in the band Goldfrap. Uh, Allison Goldfrap and Will Gregory put record out under the name Goldfrap. The album was called Felt Mountain, and it was a wonderful, weird collection of like mountaineering songs and strange electronica. And it sounded like John Barry sort of Bond soundtracks all merged into one thing. I think it's a terrific record. Uh, Felt Mountain is the name of it. It's a debut. The band is Goldfrap. Let's talk about uh, where can you find us? Social media. Check Billy, us out uh, on the gram, Facebook, Twitter, search for Deep Cuts Lost and Found. And of course, if you want more, we do it all again in the bonus round, which you can find on our Patreon page. Again, just search for Deep Cuts Lost and Found. 
And I want to put a big thank you out to Paolo Grassini, who has been producing our shows and making miracles out of the messy, messy experience of the Deep Cuts Lost well, and Found been shows. Paolo's great. Been doing great. Uh, check out his podcast. It's called The Song Will Go On. It's about soundtrack songs, also yep. on the Gigawatts platform. And if you want to check out more of this show, you can join us on Patreon, as Billy mentioned. Uh, we do one more round of songs on Patreon for your listening pleasure. Wow. And we start so with the winner. Of the, yeah, exactly. Speaking of, of let's rattle off uh, what we listened to tonight. The idea being that uh, you can only choose someone else's song. What, what is for you the most exciting discovery of the night? Rich opened up the show with the Queens of the Stone Age. Josh Homme's project, In the Fade, is the name of the song from Rated R, the album. Derek came in with At the Drive-In, Pattern Against User is the name of the song from Relationship of Command. Billy came in with the new pornographers. Mystery Hours is the song from mass romantic i came in with the doves their debut album lost souls and the song sea songs rich came in with the 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 whispers uh, from naked self no spaces in either of those titles if you're looking up online and uh, derek came in with the aptly named ass ponies and the song astronaut from some stupid with a flare gun a very evocative title for an album if you ever heard one uh, Billy came in with Idlewild from Scotland. Uh, Little Discourage is the name of the song from 100 Broken Windows. And I came in with the uh, beta band side project for Steve Mason. Uh, King Biscuit Time is the name of the artist. I Walk the Earth is the name of the song from their debut and I think only album called No Style. Is everybody ready to pop in their picks into the chat? Oh, yes. Excellent. All right. On a one... A two and a three. Uh oh, a four way tie. That Holy is as shit. indecisive as it's ever been. Rich appreciated the uh, Ass Pony song. Bill liked the, the, the Rich's the, the pick. I voted for uh, I Walk the Earth by the King Biscuit because I would have voted for that, uh, you know, for anything, as I previously said. Tom voted for Bill's new por pornographer's song. So four-way tie. So, so four-way tie. We move I forward with an unsatisfying that, you know, closure. We'll, we'll hash it out in the bonus round, but everybody wins tonight. Everybody wins tonight. Everybody well, wins. Exactly. On behalf of myself, Thomas Golovich, Rich Air, Derek Brain, Bill Federko, and the missing Christopher Nashawadi, and uh, perhaps the waiting in the wings, Robbie Feldman, uh, this has been Deep Cuts Lost Not and Found. Not if I have anything to do with it. That's right. It's uh, round 33. The year is 2000. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back again, uh, tackling 2001 and some theme shows. We'll see you all soon. Peace. I see, I see, I see, I see.